Welcome to the Petty Prophet Podcast, where we talk about news, culture, and politics from a Christian worldview. I am your host, Joel Berry. I am glad to be with you, and I am glad you are listening. If you like the show, don't forget to review us on iTunes. You can also reach out to me at contact at thepettyprophet.com, or you can reach us on our website, www.thepettyprophet.com. You can find all kinds of good stuff there, articles and uh, satire that you won't hear on the podcast, as well as a contact form. You can uh, get a hold of me on that contact form. So be sure to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And this week, uh, just quickly, I want to talk about what is going on, what in the world is going on in uh, the streets right now, all these statues being torn down. And, you know, luckily, I live in a relatively uh, boring part of the country called Toledo, Ohio, where, you know, we saw a little bit of rioting. It was minimal, not much. Uh, But I am seeing what is going on on the news in major cities all across the country. And it's really, it's, it's tragic. It's sad to see all the destruction and just the hatred and the unrest. Um, But today I want to talk about what's happening in particular with this push to remove statues. And more broadly, I suppose, to remove symbols. We've seen this happen a lot when there is a national tragedy, a shooting, an instance of police brutality, something that shocks the conscience of our nation. Seems like our go-to response lately has been to remove statues, to ban flags. And you might wonder what's driving that. And I think that many people have different opinions on that. But I wanted to explore that a little bit in this episode. And to give it context, we are going to travel way back in time, a long, long time ago. I'm talking over 5,000 years ago. In the country of Syria, about a 30-minute drive from the city of Aleppo, lie the ruins of Elba. You certainly can't tell by the barely recognizable piles of stone today, but Elba was once one of the greatest kingdoms on earth. In fact, it was the first recorded world power, equal to Egypt in might and influence. It started as a small settlement around 3500 BC, about 1,500 years before the birth of Abraham, and it stood proudly for over a thousand years before being burned to the ground. Over 4,000 years after the destruction of Elba, in 1974, archaeologists made an amazing discovery while excavating the city. Neatly stored in two small rooms that branched off from a large audience hall, clay tablets, perfectly baked and preserved by the fire that destroyed the city, gave us insight into a civilization that had been lost for millennia. Many of the tablets turned out to be simple ledgers for recording inventories and economic data, but some of them turned out to be much more interesting. One tablet describes an oddly familiar ritual used for purification on the day of a king's wedding. In this ritual, a female goat is adorned with a silver bracelet around its neck. The evils of that community are then ceremonially transferred to the goat, and it is cast out into the wilderness. Does that sound a little familiar? Well, let's try this. Fast forward about a thousand years after those ancient tablets were written. Twelve tribes of recently freed slaves called the Israelites have escaped Egypt 
led by a man named Moses. It is here that the God of Abraham reveals himself to these people, to Abraham's descendants in the wilderness. In this revelation, we get the law of Moses and we see the second recorded instance of this strange ritual with the goats. But this time it's a bit different. The ambiguous idea of evil mentioned in the old Elben tablets now has a name. It's called sin, which means to miss the mark. The mark is God's newly recorded and revealed Mosaic law, an impossible standard of holiness. Everyone at some point in their lives will be guilty of sin. That sin has a price, and it must be atoned for. In this ancient ritual, there are two goats, not one. And instead of female goats, they were male goats. The first goat is killed as an offering to God. Its blood is sprinkled on the altar of the tabernacle to cover the sins of the people. And the second goat becomes what we now call the scapegoat. Moses recorded this ritual in the book of Leviticus when he said, The priest shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities and transgressions of the Israelites, whatever their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and it shall be sent off to Azazel, which means the inaccessible place, or the barren wilderness, or, put much more simply, to hell. That word Azazel, Hebrew-speaking people in Israel still use that word today. If you hear someone say it, directed at you, well, (laughs) they're telling you to go to hell. But even ancient pagans practiced some form of this ritual during festivals or to avert disasters like drought or pestilence, and their version was much crueler. They didn't use goats. They used human beings, usually a reject of society, someone who was poor or homeless or crippled, They would dress that person in fine clothes, allow this person to feast, ceremonially transfer their evil onto him, and then cast him out of the city. In worse or more desperate cases, they would kill this person first. The theme I see all through these cultures, separated by thousands of years, is this idea of guilt. At some level, every human being knows he isn't all right. We aren't all right. As image bearers of God the Creator, we all share the same moral conscience, whether we are a protester in Portland or a king in the ancient kingdom of Elba. And although many cultures have come up with different answers and explanations for that guilt, the fact remains clear to all of us. We have all missed that mark. We are all guilty. Today we are watching protesters in the streets calling for justice and rioters tearing down statues. And they haven't stopped at Confederate memorials. They have torn down statues of Union soldiers, Christian saints, abolitionists, and presidents. And they don't stop when these statues are torn down. They deface them. They dismember them. They burn them. In the online world, we see similar behavior when mobs find someone who represents everything bad in their view and they seek to destroy their lives publicly and painfully. When I see all this, I see nothing but people racked with guilt looking for a symbolic scapegoat. 
It's a tale as old as recorded human history. A perfect example I see of this is the Teddy Roosevelt statue in front of the Museum of Natural History. The ironic thing is that the statue, seen as a symbol of racism, is standing in front of the Museum of Natural History, which was the intellectual center of eugenics and scientific racism in America in the early 20th century. Its legacy, in many ways, still survives today in the scientific community. If these people were consistent, they would tear the whole building down. The scientists and thinkers still living who are responsible for erasing that history and for that line of thinking would come forward and repent. That's not going to (laughs) happen. We all want justice, but we'd rather see that justice poured out on a scapegoat than turned against ourselves. Every one of the protesters and rioters and everyone else, you and me, has had hatred and anger in our hearts before. We all have the same core flaw that fueled racism 200 years ago and still fuels it today. But it's easier to tear down a statue than to address the sin in your own heart. Whether it be a statue, a building, or an online personality, I see people clawing at symbols, tearing down more and more in vain hope that it will banish evil from our shores, that it will assuage the guilt in our hearts. It won't. That guilt and shame will never be satisfied this way. That's why they won't stop until it's all torn down. So what's the good news? (laughs) Well, the good news is that this ancient scapegoat was indeed symbolic, but it was symbolizing something very real. There was one who came, who took the sins of the world on himself and descended into Azazel. Only this wasn't a bull or a sheep or a goat. It was God himself who became a man in the form of Jesus. The sacrifice to end all sacrifices, the scapegoat, to end all scapegoats. And if not for his sacrifice on the cross, we would all be desperately clawing at statues. And that's what we need to remember when we see the unwashed masses behaving badly. These are people without a shepherd, guilty consciences without a savior, following a religion without grace, following a mortal, impotent, false god without hope. Let us be moved with compassion. Let us bring them the gospel. Because something happens when we have been forgiven much. It helps us to extend grace to our neighbors, to our political opponents, even our racist ancestors. We have good news to tell. News that you and me and the statue destroyers need to hear. Those are my thoughts for you this week. This has been the Petty Prophet Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back here in a few days for another man hug.